Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I didn't see my shadow yesterday, Amy. You know what that means. I can't remember. What does it mean? At least six more weeks of this podcast. Oh, nice. Okay. Speaking of seeing shadow, let's give a shout out to Josh Wester, friend of the pod. Did you see what he put on social media yesterday? He didn't even know that Puxatani Phil was a thing? Correct. Yes. We texted him I don't know if this is a shout out of a, or a call out. I Man, we texted, Keith and I texted him immediately last night and um, we were like, uh, Josh, what? What in the world? How is this even possible that you don't know Punxsutawney Phil? But there it is. What rock have you been living under? Yeah. Did you see the Canadian news, though? I did, that their groundhog died. Yeah. He won't come out. He's not coming out. What's going on? Well, because he's down in his burrow dead. Yikes. That that was kind of harsh, the way you said that. Well. I'm not sure that was Is necessary. that incorrect? Well, I don't know, but it was it was a little harsh. Well, he he so, won't be complaining. Yeah. Well, it was uh it it it's not looking good. I mean, it's a pretty gloomy, it's a pretty gloomy week and uh so. So in in Canada that means 6 more months of winter. Well, weeks. that's I think that's pretty typical. Yeah. So um we have one of those in North Carolina. We have a a a groundhog. His name is Sir Walter Wally. Oh, like, I see what they did like there. Sir, Sir Walter, Walter Raleigh. Raleigh. Yeah. I don't think it was a good prediction either. He predicted six more weeks of winter. Yeah. So, you know, in, in, Not a fun. in Louisiana, down in New Iberia, they use mm-hmm. a nutria called Pierre C. Shadow. And the shadow is S-H-A-D-E-A-U-X. Oh, cute. That's very cute. All right, last thing on this, but when I was a kid, I I did not understand this. Like I knew it was Groundhog Day and I would hear this thing about groundhogs coming out, but I didn't understand that this came from like there were festivals and there, you know, they would actually like pull the pull the groundhog out and they were, you know, I guess assessing it based on the sun for that day. I like actually thought that groundhogs everywhere came out. On February 2nd. Like, all right, hibernation's over, boys. Let's go. Yeah. And so then I remember my grandma telling me that the groundhog, you know, saw his shadow or didn't see his shadow. And I was like, how do we know? And what, you know, and we had a groundhog uh, kind of in our yard that that we had named and everything. His name was Terry. And so I was totally confused as to how my grandma even knew about that. But it was because I guess she had, you know. Heard it on the radio yeah. or something. But. And for our listeners at home, if they want a real Groundhog Day experience, they can listen to this podcast over and over for the next week. So, That's right. Yes, they can. Yes. All right. Speaking of this podcast, let's actually get to the podcast. If you're looking to stay informed and engaged in the latest missions, discipleship, leadership, and political happenings in the SBC, look no further than the brand new Baptist Press newsletters, BP Missions, Discipleship, Leadership, and Politics. These weekly newsletters offer insightful and thought-provoking content that will deepen your understanding and strengthen your faith. Don't miss out on these valuable resources. You can visit baptistpress.com slash subscribe today. To sign up, that's baptistpress.com slash subscribe. Okay, Amy, we start uh, with a kind of a, a surprise story this week. The SBC Credentials Committee is reportedly looking into two churches over invites to have Johnny Hunt preach at the churches. 
this came out. There's a Baptist press story, but it came because it was broken. Uh, by the it Tennessean. Was a, yeah. Yeah. It was broken by the Tennessean. So I'm going to just walk through this sort of procedurally really quickly. So we've had uh, the credentials committee has been in place for now almost, I guess it was established almost four years ago. Yeah. But it uh, really has been functioning for about three years, I would say, um, something yeah. Yeah, some, uh, for about three years since it's been really up and running. So when submissions go to the credentials committee, there's a whole process laid out in the bylaws about that they receive those and then they can deliberate on those and follow their processes. And then they make recommendations if they are recommending a church to be declared not in friendly cooperation, they give that to the executive committee. And so typically we don't hear anything from the credentials committee unless they are reporting to the executive committee. Uh, That's not happening here, but what does happen is in their processes, they might begin an inquiry, which uh, the bylaws do say that they have uh, the ability, they may make inquiries of churches. And so they can, when they receive a submission, turn and say, we're going to ask some questions to the church about this. When they do that, that's not something that they share publicly because they don't speak publicly until they make a recommendation. But when they do that, they do have to inform um, the submitter and they inform the church. And when they inform the submitter and the church, either of those parties are free to uh, to discuss you know, what they have received. And so that's how the Tennessean got this information. And so they shared that it appeared that the credentials committee is opening an inquiry, which would mean that they are asking more questions. So that's that's where the status of that is. We won't hear anything official about that unless the credentials committee determines that it's time to take an action step and to say, you know, to to actually recommend something to the executive committee. So, or if they take, don't and inform the submitter or the church and they right. make that public, just like we That's right. up here. That's right. Because if they don't, if if they make the inquiry but decide not to make a recommendation, they will communicate that to the submitter and to the church at which stage they're free to discuss that at will uh, also. So that's, I I think it's helpful to explain that because this is not a normal story that you see in the media or in Baptist press because the credentials committee doesn't report on these things throughout the process. If they did that, I mean, that would be, uh, that would be kind of a difficult thing because as they get submissions for all sorts of things, they can't, you know, they they can't go into all that. And just because they're inquiring of a church doesn't mean a church it will end up being disfellowshipped or has done anything. They're just saying, Hey, we're, we just want more information. And, and, you know, we let the process right. play out and we sit back and, right. you know, we may not hear anything else about this ever again. We may, we never know. Right. So, uh, so that's important to remember that as the credentials committee works and, uh, and I know they are part of the guidepost report was for them to really fine tune and be clear to people about what their processes and steps are. Um, so that's, that is, uh, is something that they are, are doing, uh, but they won't necessarily share, you know, publicly each, each step when they are dealing with something. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's imagine a- somebody, you know, were to submit your church and it's not true or something or whatever. And, you know, there was a misunderstanding and all of a sudden it's public now. And now you're having to fight this public battle that of something that isn't really true. So that, that's kind of the reason that things aren't as public with the credentials committee, because they want to be able to do their work, make the inquiry and then make a decision. Right. 
and they may and they make an official statement when it gets to that stage, uh, which they report those they report things to the executive committee at regular executive committee meetings. So those are February, June, and September. Yeah, and we will likely get something from them in February. Maybe not on this, but on other things in February. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, All right. So that's that story, and that brings us to a, a meeting this past week in Orlando. Seems like all the cool kids were in Orlando this week. Lifeway trustees celebrate momentum and new initiatives this past week at their trustee meeting in Orlando. Yeah, so they met there, as you said, in Orlando. Nice place to be. Um, and, Great place uh, to you, be in, February, in January. You were in Orlando I as well, was, but not but not at the Lifeway trustee not. meeting. You were just taking a few days off and enjoying yourself yep. um, at the happiest place on earth. Yeah, I think so. I visited 11 countries. Uh, a, a galaxy far, far away and a couple other places too. So yes, something like that. Uh, well, while you were doing that, the Lifeway folks were hard at work and uh, Bart Barber actually went, he yep. was able, able to be there. And so he, he Met spoke up with him to, for dinner after one of the meetings. So, yeah. So he spoke to the trustees at Lifeway. Um, ben Mandrell made a number of reports talking about uh, a, how Bible study curriculum is showing strong growth after last year. And uh, that's good because that's a rebound from the the COVID year. I mean, obviously curriculum would have been strongly impacted in a year when like Sunday schools and small groups couldn't necessarily meet. So that was good news um, that curriculum is kind of on the on the growth trajectory also unveiled a new uh, next gen curriculum line called Hi-Fi. That is uh, that that's coming out, and also talked about uh, some new things with Lifeway.com that they were named to Newsweek's best online shops. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. So they just gave a lot of different highlights, and then um, and then the trustees heard from several Lifeway leaders throughout as well. So it was a great update for them. Yeah. So it sounded like a productive meeting there in Orlando. And uh, speaking of meetings, the IMB held their trustee meeting this week. Don't have a story yet on that. Probably have that on next week's episode. But we had a sending celebration where they sent 46 missionaries to the nations. That's right. And this BP story that's going to be in the show notes, this was really fun. The missionaries that were getting sent out, the couple that is profiled at the beginning of that story, Bradley and Ember Wilkie. I know them. They oh, are um, friends of the pod. That's right. They're part of Codes Baptist Church, which is here just south of Raleigh. Keith Whitfield was their interim pastor for about, I don't know, nine months, a year, something like that. So we spent, <laughs> he's the best interim pastor you could get. And so we spent a lot of time with the folks at Coates Baptist Church, including Bradley and Ember. And uh, it, it's really fun to, to just see i remember spending some time when i had lunch at their home one day and even hearing some of their experience in some calls to ministry but uh, at that time just lay leadership seemed to be the right pathway and they were very uh committed great members of coates baptist church uh, but it looks like the the call uh to them has come to go and serve as logistics coordinators in Mexico and just really excited to, to see that. Um, so it was fun to kind of just see them at the top of the story there it makes it real when sending ceremonies are um, including someone that, you know, all right, that's really cool, Amy. And we're going to stay in North Carolina for a next story, which is, this is wild. So a church Elkin Valley Baptist church in Elkin, North Carolina had a new sanctuary that broke ground on this past September. So 
They had raised a bunch of the funds. They're building a new sanctuary. And in November, the, just a couple months ago, the company, Landmark Construction, sent them an invoice for the first part of the work. You know, they're working to build a new sanctuary. Right. They got another email with payment instructions for the invoice. However, second email was a phishing scam and was cloned to make it look like it came from Landmark Construction, but it wasn't. That's terrible. They paid $793,000 to somebody, and they don't know who it was, and the money's gone. That's that's horrific, and it's terrible, <laughs> I mean, too. Holy cow. And that's terrible for the church. Yeah, that's so awful for the church, and then also for the builder, too, to recognize that there's somebody out there figuring out who their clients are, cloning you know, their sort of identity, uh, their brand identity, and then going out there and going after their customers. That's terrible. And I know it's incredibly just heartbreaking, shocking for the church. Um, it does look like they they have started to raise, raise money and yeah. the North Carolina Baptist is going to make a big donation uh, to the church. Yeah, so they're, that's, they're still trying to recover that that's money. That's really good. But, yeah. oh yeah. man, can you imagine just... I can't, honestly. That That's just, I feel terrible for I it. I know. Well, if you want to help, there is a GoFundMe in the show notes. Uh, we'll put that in there. And uh, they, they basically have a slab, and that's all they got right now. And they can't do anything else because they don't have any money because people fished it out of them. So be careful out yeah. there, kids, and, and how you pay your invoices and everything. So, I mean, that that could happen to any of us, uh, you know, really on a like a lower, uh, you know, hopefully a lower scale. A smaller scale. I, I don't have many bills for seven hundred and ninety three thousand dollars. I don't know about you, Amy. But right. yeah, I mean, golly, can you imagine paying like a doctor's bill or something to the wrong people and then the doctor's like, Hey, you still owe me and you're like, Wait a minute, what do you mean? Right. Where's the bill? So yeah. Um I paid that and yeah, wow. Just just a, a wild story there and feel terrible for our friends over in Elkin, North Carolina. So if you want to help them out, uh, you can do so. Uh but be praying for them that they find out who that is and you know Use this as a lesson, I guess, in your own church to double check where invoices are going and, and payments and stuff like that, because that's right. That would be a, a terrible thing for a church. So, all right. Last story here, Amy. A trial date has been set for a case involving Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and Paige Patterson. Uh, this is the Jane Rowe lawsuit uh, that has been filed uh, back in 2019. Yeah. So that date has been set for April 3rd uh, of this year. So in just a few months, um, this is a this is a case that we've been following for, my goodness, years now. Um, and it just reminds you how slow these legal processes can go. Um, but in a lot of the cases that we have covered on this podcast, there's not been an actual trial and uh, that's this true. Is, We've yeah, all been talking yeah. about like everything. I mean, the things have been in that process. I mean, you think the McCraney Nam, you think this, you think the the right. Pressler case. There's several of them, but we really haven't had any trials. We had some hearing. Yeah, we, we had, had hearings. Hearing. We had some decisions, right. and but we haven't had any trials. So this is this is coming April third. Spring is always a little interesting in Southern Baptist life uh, as we sort of build up to the to the annual meeting. But I think we can benchmark this, that this is going to be a time when all eyes will be on Texas. Yeah. So. All right. And uh, speaking of the annual meeting, by the way, annual meeting, child care registration, pre-registration for messengers opened this week. So 
It certainly did. And man, I had I had people sending me the uh, the email that went out and focusing on our staff team, you know, getting ready. Okay, they're gearing up, gearing up to go. So So a church like yours, how do you decide who is the twelve messengers? Because you guys you send a lot of Mm -hmm. folks. There's a lot of folks from your church that are involved in the convention. How do y'all determine I mean, is it like a lottery? Do y'all have like a big drawing (laughs) there at staff meeting? No, no. So so one thing we do is that if we have people who might need to do more interacting, like for example, we have a state convention folks who are the executive director of the state convention of North Carolina is a member right. of the summit. So, Does he go to the top so, of the list? Is it like Greer well, Unzicker, like <laughs> AB? So basically what I would consider is if there's anyone who might need to speak to something on the floor you know, because let's say they there's something priority. that, yeah. right, right. Let's say there's something that needs to be addressed related to state conventions. Obviously, it, he might not go to the microphone, but he's going to need credentials. Yeah. And frankly, I mean, that's our church member is preaching the convention sermon. He really oh, that's needs right. to be a messenger. <laughs> I yeah, forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. So, so I, I first, you know, we first sit down and look and determine who are people that might need it for that reason. And then we look at the rest of the staff and sort of think through, for example, we have folks from our sending team that go, right. Keith being a seminary provost probably needs to be a messenger. Right. Because he may need to, you know, if he he needs to, to do anything. Additionally, we'll take members of, for example, our sending team. Well, those are folks that might need the flexibility to be able to go be in the exhibit hall, talking to folks at the IMB booth. They're not really coming necessarily to have to participate yeah. on the floor. They may be coming to interact in other ways. Yeah. Or Therefore, connect connections with other rather than business. Right. So that's kind of what helps determine okay. is, is who are the people that need to be part of really representing in the business and who are the people that need to be participating in other things. And it kind of breaks out the guest messenger. Hmm. Yeah. All right. But it's, we, it, it takes us a little bit to shake all that, shake all that down. I've never so, thought about uh, that because I've never been at a church that would send more than eight to 10, maybe, maybe 12, you know, total. Yeah. So it's interesting to be at a church like that where you do have so many people involved in the life of the convention and trying to figure out, who your 12 are that get the messenger versus the guest right. passes. So. Well, because, and, and the expectation is pretty high on messengers. Yeah. You need to be involved two if days, you're going to be a messenger. You, you have to be in there. So mm-hmm. you can't be off getting coffee with a missionary that, you know, it had had is, is stateside and came from our church. You can't be doing that because you need to be in there where the business is yeah. happening. By the way, so we're pro we, coffee we with missionaries. But 100%. Just not during 100%. the business, right? But if you're a messenger and you need to be in there participating, then you have to do your coffee later. Um, but it might be that that person needs to be a guest. So it's a yep. lot to think about. But I highly encourage as many churches as possible to bring not just 12 people, uh, not just your total slate of messengers, but bring others as well, yep. because this is a, a great opportunity. All right. Well, yep. And don't forget, Rhoda, New Orleans every Tuesday over at sbcannualmeeting.net slash NOLA or the road to New Orleans.net. You can watch every episode. We got Jack Hunter coming up this next week in a phenomenal interview talking about ministry in New Orleans and just kind of giving an overview of the city. So looking forward to that. All right, that's going to do it for the news mm-hmm. this week. Amy, my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go to 1959 uh, for something that was kind of a, 
a, it's a pretty simple thing, but it, but it's a big milestone. Um, but one of the reasons I went to 1959 was because I originally thought that we had a really big thing happen this week in SBC history in 1959 until I realized it wasn't related to the SBC. So we're recording this on February 3rd, which is a big day in American history or in American music history. Do you know what that is? Uh, it's the day the music died. It's the day the music died. So um, it which took for me a those minute of you, to get that. Yeah. For those of you who don't know that that reference to uh, the Bye Bye Miss America. And, and by that, she means Josh um, Wester, who apparently lives under a rock. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, so this was the the day, February 3rd, 1959, was the day that there was a plane crash that killed Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper. So I was reading about that. And, and you know who else could have been on that? Waylon Jennings. Yeah. Could yeah. have been, yeah. but wasn't. He traded, traded out his ticket, um, traded his seat with the Big Bopper. But I was looking at it and realized Buddy Holly was a Baptist, Whoa. grew up at Tabernacle Baptist Church, was baptized there in Lubbock, Texas. That's wow. where his funeral was. His family was really involved. I actually thought, oh, my goodness, this is like, you know, one of us. Uh, then as I dug in, I realized Tabernacle Baptist in Lubbock was independent Baptist, oh, not oh, Southern go. Baptist. So it was not something big that happened this week in SBC history, but... It was reported in Baptist Press. It actually uh, had happened a few weeks before, but reported in Baptist Press that the Foreign Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention had entered their new office building at 3806 Monument Avenue. Is that the one they're at now? Richmond. Yeah. Wow. So that building's that um, old? I mean, I think so, unless they have. Or maybe have they like, have a new building on the same site or something like that. Yeah. Huh. All right. Somebody at IMB, let us know. Is that the same building that was built and put up in 19? I mean, that's the I, address. I know. That's, but that's the address that building, for the That building IMB. looks newer than 1959, though. Well, that they moved in at that They may address. have redone it a little bit. All right. Yeah, okay. maybe they have. They moved in at that address. So that's and a big thing because that's kind of their main headquarters. If so. you're familiar with Richmond, being on Monument Avenue, that's kind of a big deal. Like, it's, it's a big thoroughfare. Like, I mean, it's, it was like the main drag in the 50s. It would have been the right. main drag in Richmond. Yes. I mean, like, that and was a place, huge deal. Right. Very much so. And a uh, location for a lot of statues, which that's kind of changed some in the last statues. few years. That's right. That's right. But it was where Richmond was the capital of the Confederacy. And so a lot of history was on that, mm -hmm. on that street. But yeah. that's, that has changed in, <laughs> in recent, in recent days. Uh, but yeah, Monument Avenue is a very, big street and would have been for sure back then Yeah, um, in Richmond. Yeah. That'd have been yeah. a, a major, major move back in the fifties. So, well, that's kind of right. neat. I didn't realize yeah, it had been so, in Richmond, that, like at that spot in Richmond that long. So that's right. That's right. So need to brush up on my IMB building history. That's right. The IMB or the FMB oh, yeah. uh, moved into their home. And it was shared with Southern Baptists this week in SBC history. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Well, I've already shared this before in a pre-sale, but I'm going to do it again. Big book launch this week, Essential Christianity by J.D. Greer. If you don't have a copy, make sure you get one. Yeah. It's, so uh, Beth asked me Wednesday night. I'm getting home. I'm unpacking. She goes, hey, I need a copy of that new J.D. Greer book, Essential Christianity. Do you have one? I'm like, no, but I know somebody. So it's like, 
Uh, so Amy, I need a copy of that, by the way. Um, somebody in my life I'll, needs I'll a copy of that. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. You're the second person this week to text me. Um, we'll give a shout out to a good friend of the pod, Mary Whitfield, who texted me saying, Mom, I, I, I want a copy of Essential Christianity. So <laughs> I'll, now you're just I've showing only got off one. That your daughter's wanting copies of that. So I've only got one copy and it's mine. So I'll have to see what I can do for yeah. uh, for Mary and for Beth. Hey, but, speak, speaking of. Yeah. Uh, Kids texting us. I get a text from Ethan Tuesday morning. It says, hey, do you know Kevin Ezel? like, yeah, just a bit. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we've met. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's speaking at chapel today at CBU. I was like, oh, well, you need to go say hey. He's like, well, I'll try, but go I can't guarantee anything. But uh, I was like, yeah, his daughter is the one there. I was like, oh, that's him. Okay, yeah, I got it now. I was like, okay, thanks, Ethan. Thanks for paying attention here, buddy. So, but yeah. it was pretty funny. So, Anyway, so Kevin, you said Kevin did great. So Kevin, good job at CBU on Tuesday. So uh, that was that's a pretty funny text to get from him. So uh, all right, my resource of the week is an upcoming conversation, a web event that the ERLC is putting on with Ed Litton and Fred Luter on racial reconciliation and racial unity. So uh, it's titled Racial Unity in the SBC. You can register over at the ERLC website. It's ERLC.com slash racial unity. It's on February the 9th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. So uh, 3 Eastern, 2 Central. Uh, you can do the math if you're in Guam uh, on that one. It'll be actually on Friday if you're in Guam, which is weird. But anyway, it's a, a conversation. Fred Luter. Ed Litton talking about the Unify Project as well as just uh, the SBC race relations and how we can continue to advance racial reconciliation within the SBC. Brent Leather would be hosting that with Pastor Ed Litton and Fred Luter. So it uh, should be a pretty good thing coming up next week on February the 9th. So check that out. All right. So looking forward to that. But, uh, Very cool. Have to make time for that next next uh, next week and check that out. So a uh, really cool thing that the ERLC is putting on and, uh, you know, kind of leading up to Racial Reconciliation Sunday that comes in February. So don't forget, uh, speaking of Sundays, this weekend, Amy, George Lyle Sunday in the SBC for That's church right. planning missions. Uh, so kind of brush up on your George Lyle history for this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, I shared that last week. So lots of resources and things. Hopefully some churches are doing that yeah, this weekend. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, hey, Amy, that's going to do it. So it's trustee season. We just talked about Lifeway. IMB had theirs this week. NAM's got theirs next week. I'll be on site at that. And then EC meeting in about two weeks uh, coming up on February the 20th and 21st. So uh, kind of a normal February EC meeting. And uh, looking forward to that, having people coming in. Uh, you'll be here as well. And uh, looking forward to uh, another great trustee season. And then we'll get the, the seminary trustee meetings happening in March and April. So a lot going on. Busy time in the SBC leading up to June 11th to 14th in New Orleans. So pre-registration is open. Get your child care registration done now because that always sells out. And we have people in May and June asking, hey, can I get my kid in? And it's full. So get it in early. Can't do it. Our listeners, I bet, get their stuff in early, Amy. I like to think so. If you're listening to a podcast every week about the SBC, you're probably registering your kid early. I'm just going to say. That's right. That's Let's right. I think it's pretty there. typical. Yes. Yes. So our, our listeners are elite. So, all right. That's going to be. Uh, they uh, are. I don't like that word, though. Okay. Okay. Our listeners are on top of things. There you go. Yes. Yes. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.